You're listening to America's Entrepreneur, the podcast designed to educate, entertain, and inspire you in your personal and professional journey. I'm your host, Aaron Spatz, and on the podcast, I interview entrepreneurs, industry experts, and other high achievers as they detail their personal and professional journeys in business. My goal is to glean their experiences into actionable insights that you can apply to your own journey. If you're new to the show, we've spoken with successful entrepreneurs, Grammy award-winning artists, best-selling authors, chief executives, and other fascinating minds with unique experiences. We've covered topics such as how to achieve breakthrough in business, growing startups, effective leadership techniques, and much more. If you strive for continual self-improvement and enjoy fascinating and insightful conversation, hit the subscribe button. You'll love it here at America's Entrepreneur. And thank you so much for joining America's Entrepreneur this week. Really excited that you're here. Again, as, as the intro video showed you, as the outro video is going to show you as well, again, use this as a great conversation starter, as a great introductory piece to other people. I, I, again, I can't tell you how many people that I've personally been introduced to simply because I'm sharing an episode or, or something that I know is insightful or applicable to somebody in their in their situation. So kind of file that away and, and, and use that for reference because you can do that with any of these episodes and use it to introduce your, yourself to some some really awesome people. So speaking of awesome people, really excited to welcome Chris Nelson to the show. Chris spent 22 years in our beloved United States Marine Corps for transitioning out into the into the civilian into the civilian world. He spent a number of years in the civilian uh, workspace before transition transitioning again to uh, founding and running his own company Helios Energy which he's been running and operating for a better part of 7 years now. So really excited to have him on the show Chris. Thank you so much for making time to be with me today. Hey Aaron, thanks for having me and thanks for doing this. This is a great resource for entrepreneurs and and veterans and, and the like. So thanks for having me. Certainly. Well, you know, like I was telling you off air, it's so it, it's such a tight knit and painic and oftentimes a very painful community. And so it's it's great for people to be able to, to have resources, to see examples, to learn about the struggles and, and, and the triumphs of of just the of the journey that many entrepreneurs have been on. And so uh, it's only made possible because people like you are willing to share your story. So with that, Kind of help help us all kind of understand a little bit of your upbringing, where where you're originally from, what what motivated or inspired you to join our U.S. military. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I grew up in uh, southeastern Massachusetts on the seacoast there, and uh, my dad was a Marine, and my uncles had served in World War II, and service was always in the back of my my mind. I knew I wanted to do that. Uh, I spent a year going to college like a lot of young kids, and uh, I just wasn't ready. I, I just wasn't ready for that part of the journey yet. So I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps, went to Paris Island, and, uh, and then uh, decided to go back to school later. So that's kind okay. of where I'm from and, and the journey and the why. That's awesome. So then, I mean, you spent spent a solid 22-year career there. I mean, thank you for, thank you for dedicating just a, a – substantial chunk of your life uh to our country that's a that that's no small sacrifice so i really 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 do appreciate that but like what what around that around that decision to get out like what was kind of what was going through your mind i know there's a lot of i mean we, we could talk about transitions forever related yeah. to military specific but like but what what for you do you think was like the next right step as you're as you're considering retirement and getting out and starting something fresh yeah, you know, people ask me that question a lot, and I always say it's not one thing. It's it's never one thing. Um, major major decisions like that never boil down. Usually, don't boil down to one thing, right? Um, so I I had uh, spent ten years on the enlisted side in the Marine Corps. I was fortunate enough to be selected to go back to school and get my degree through a, a Marine commissioning program. Um, I, I went back to school. I figured out. You know, hours studied were directly and positively correlated with GPA. It's amazing how that works. And, uh, and, and it done well in school and studied business. And I knew then that I wanted to be in business some, someday. I, I just fell in love with the whole how do, how do businesses work. So along the way, I was fortunate enough again as a captain to go back to school and get a master's degree. And I, and I chose adult education. The Marine Corps had a program where I'd do payback tour in, in education in the Marine Corps. And I, and I was able to do that. I was able to, you know, the last part of my career, uh, 
and have the responsibility for Marine Corps training policies and oversight of our MOS schools, the curriculum and instruction. And I was building that second life out of the Marine Corps in my last five, six years. And I, and I tell all I tell all Marines that if they have a chance to build a, you know, sellable, marketable skills while they're on active duty, pick up a graduate degree while they're on active duty to prepare themselves for that transition, whether it comes at 20 years or 24 years or 30 years or whatever, um, do it because the Marine Corps offers that opportunity. So take advantage of the opportunity. So that'd be the first advice that I would give to any active duty person listening today that consciously think about your next career while you're on on active duty and the marine corps has these programs and they want you to participate in them so take advantage of them so a 19 year old dropout leaves the marine corps after 22 years with a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in a career opportunity in the corporate world that i had prepared for so that's kind of uh the journey why did i why did i do it at 22 years like a lot of us i I had broken my body several times. I, you know, I, I, I was pretty beat up, right? Um, my daughter was entering high school and I didn't want to have to move her twice in high school. That was kind of a commitment I made. And, and I had prepared myself to do my 20, 21, 22 years, do my service and move on with the next career. So that was always in the plan. It was tough. Leaving is tough. It, but uh, all of my colleagues supported that decision because they knew that I, I served well. Uh, and and that's how I I kind of justified and made that decision. Yeah, that's really awesome, and uh, and, and super admirable of you to to consider your family as a part of that equation as well, right? Like um, as those high school years. And again, I'm thinking about the math involved in that of like, yeah, I mean, it's almost a perfect storm if if you join if you join the military at 18, you do a 20 year career, you get you know if you're having kids, you know, like all that kind of converges pretty close at the same time. So, uh, that's a whole nother, I can't imagine that's a whole nother stress level and, and whole, yeah. whole nother situation people have to kind of take into account. Right. So, yeah. um, well, awesome. So, so, so you transitioned out, you've, you've done a variety of different things. I'll, I'll kind of let you tell the story, but share with me then just kind of your journey through the corporate world. What, what were some of the big things that you were picking up and learning and, and then, while you're doing that, then I guess we'll eventually transition into um, what led you to wanting to go launch your your own your own company. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's a journey I'm I'm happy to share. You know, um, like everything in life, uh, you get some some things really really right, and you get some things really wrong. I mean, you kick the ball in the stands, right? Sometimes you you score score a field goal or kick a field goal. Sometimes you you know kick the ball in the stands. Right. So, um, the, the corporate journey was a, was a good journey. Uh, lots of great mentors there, um, and, and some really great career opportunities, but that preparation I think was part of what afforded those opportunities or create, help create those opportunities. But the network is so important. I, and I, I get the good chance now to mentor a lot of folks transitioning from the military. And, and I tell them that the network is, is so critical. Um, your resume will open a door, but your network and how you present yourself is what gets you ultimately to the career that you're looking to you know, to reach. So um, I, I had a great network of military guys, uh, civilian people that I developed through associations, you know, nationwide international associations of colleagues in the adult education, human performance world, whatever your industry is, whatever you're looking to do, engineering, whatever it may be. Join those associations while you're on active duty. Build a network of colleagues that are out there doing the work that you, you hope to do. And those people, if they get to know you and you're skilled and you're a leader, they will help you network into the transition and into the corporate world. And that's exactly what happened. My first job uh, at Bristol Myers Squibb was the result of being prepared, but having a civilian colleague who referenced me into the hiring manager. That That's it. I, it. It was no big magical formula. A guy that liked me, knew me, thought I was capable, referred me to a hiring manager, and I got an interview and I got a job. So don't be afraid to network and don't be afraid to utilize your network. There are so many people out there that will want to help you in your transition. And all you have to do is let them know that you need a little help. 
Um, as, 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 as military folks and as Marines, right, we have this, I can get it done attitude because that's what the job required of us. Right. And we get conditioned to that. And, and, and we, you get this, I'm an Island mentality and you're not, uh, you, you're, you're not, you may be for a minute, but, but lean on your network is the first advice I'd give to people. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, it's so solid because it's, I mean, I've seen that play out. I've been more than impressed with the quality of the veterans network on the, on the outside. Like I had, I had a whole another vision and stereotype of what I envisioned the veterans community to look like. And it, it, it was nothing what I, what I was prepared for in a, in a really good way. And people are more than eager to help you. You just got to, to your point, right. You just got to reach out for help. Like, and you got to be as specific as you can also is, the more specific you can be, the more helpful people can be to actually get you where you're trying to go. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's simply the, the analogy I use is, look, you're not looking for a handout. You're looking for a handout. You know, you're looking for a helping hand to pull you up. You know, in the Marine Corps, if we, we have to cross an obstacle and it's, a, and it's a high obstacle, there's somebody at the top giving you a hand to pull, pull you over That's the it. top. And just use that analogy and just think about it that way. And yeah. So, so that's, awesome. that's the first thing that, you know, that came to mind. The second is, uh, you know, be open to new opportunities. So I was at Bristol Myers Squibb for a year. Uh, I was working for the comptroller of the company. I was on a, a special team. Uh, we were rolling out Sarbanes-Oxley and financial controls throughout the entire company. And it was a great job. And, and we had a great team and we were doing really some really cool things. And I loved it. But an opportunity came to me unsolicited and I went to my boss and, and I said, hey, boss, here's what here's what's going on. This company out in Minneapolis is looking to recruit me and I love it here. I don't want to go. He goes, you should go. You should go. And you should you should investigate it and come back and talk to me about it. I would not hold you back from that. So so I did. And I came back and I said, hey, it's it's a great opportunity. It's a promotion. It's more responsibility. It's financially good for my family. And he goes, I can't give you that opportunity here right now, and I'm not going to hold you back from it. And that was the first great mentor that I had. Um, uh, he, he, he was a leader. He came to our company from from General Electric. Uh, he came from a culture of stimulating, pushing people forward. And um, that that I, I owe a lot to that man that he, that he was willing to do that and say, hey, uh, you've you've done a great job here. You've done an awesome job. You've been loyal. You you brought this to me. You were transparent, and I'm not holding you back. He said go, and so on that advice I did, and and it was a great move for us. You know, um, from a family perspective, uh, it was good timing because my daughter then was you know uh, a freshman by now, and uh, she was a hockey player, and so we moved to the great state of Minnesota where she could play hockey in the high school. No longer did we have to travel 90 miles, you know, three times a week for practice. I mean, it, it was just a good move all the way around. Um, and this is one, one way that God, in many, many ways that God's blessed us. Awesome. So, so, so we made that move and, and it was a good career move. And from there again, recruited to another company uh, where I ended up, ended up closing out my corporate career. My last eight years in the corporate world uh, was, okay. was with Ameriprise Financial and was brought in to head up and build their corporate university, which they didn't have. Uh, and after three years of doing that, um, I got the opportunity to go into direct sales leadership and coaching for my last five years and um, and and just really enjoyed uh, being out there in the sales profession, selling life insurance, disability insurance and long term care insurance, which I I really I really believe in. And I have a passion for. So that's kind of kind of the journey and, and, and how wow. I got there. So then that that would for me that then that turns into a perfect segue then as to yeah. kind of helping prime the pump. I think was just kind of pressing on you of like, you're getting all these reps in and practicing different, you know, sales and, and learn and learning that whole world. Cause it sounds like that was your, probably your first your unless I missed it, but that sounds to me like that was your first opportunity to do anything in sales. And so it probably, again, I'm, I'm making just broad assumptions here, please correct me, but it, yeah. it like, did it bring something to life in you that you're like, holy cow, like this is a whole nother world I've never explored. And now the possibilities are endless, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so ironically, when I was, when I was considering the transition out of the Marine Corps back in 2000, 2001, 2002, several organizations had approached me to, to come into a sales 
role. Um, okay. They saw something in, in me, and and I just I just had the typical view of salespeople that the misperception that they're all like used car salesmen, salesmen, right. and, and and sales is really a noble profession. It really is. It's, it's it's causing people to look at things differently and take actions that they normally wouldn't take. And, and nine times out of ten, is for the betterment of themselves or their organization. So I see sales now in a totally different light. It it is really, in my view, a very noble profession. Um, and yes, I, you know, I was exposed to the sales aspect when I went to um, Medtronic's corporation. We were revamping the global sales organization and sales training and coaching became part of our curriculum. And, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the psychology of selling and, and the discipline of selling and the art and science of selling and the process of selling. So I, I, I did I did another master's degree, but through self-study and I went through a bunch of of professional sales training programs, you know, the Wilson Learnings, the Spin Selling, the the the, the uh, Miller Hyman, and, and all those things, and 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 I became a student of it, and then I became a a leader of of the training programs for it, and then a coach for the coaches, and then, and quite frankly, what happened was the head of distribution came to me and said, "Hey, Chris, you know, <laughs> you know more about sales and coaching than most of my divisional vice presidents. I'm going to make you one." But of course, of the nine divisions at the time, I wasn't getting the number one performing division. I was getting the number nine out of nine. But the good news is I had only one way to go, which was up. So, so yeah, I felt I fell in love with it. And I had a great team uh, of guys and gals that I'll tell you to this day, are some of the best sales professionals I ever worked with to a man, to a woman. Uh, the, the crew that I had, uh, you know, at, at Meriprice Financial River Source um, Distribution were great. And, and I learned a ton in five years. And we had some really good years of success. And that did prime the pump. I took that and said, okay, I knew I wanted to get in renewable energy. And I knew I wanted to have a consultative sales organization. And that's what we purposely built, Aaron, for the ground up. Wow. Okay. So there's, man, there's a hundred directions I could take this. And I'm like, now you got me like really, my interest is really peaked in a couple of different places. So one, like, so let's, so, I mean, we, we have time, so we're not, we're not pressed for time right now. So, so, so let's, so, so there's something you said, you said you're really interested in the psychology of sales. So tell me more about that. Why, what, what interest, what about psychology of sales interests you? You know, um, it's 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 two things. It's really the psychology of buying first. You know, how do people make purchase decisions and and understanding the trepidation and the and the cycle that they go through um, from uh, misunderstanding, misconceptions, trepidation, knowledge, knowledge gathering, analysis, synthesis and then decision. Right. And understanding how people go to that, going back to some Marine Corps psychology, like OODA loop, right? Observe, yeah, orient, right. you know, um, decide and act. So so understanding how people make decisions is, is one part of that. And then if you understand that and you understand the emotions around attached to what you're selling or what you're offering, what you're offering, then you can back into the psychology of selling and what I really learned, if I, I boil it all down to, to, to really three main things, um, selling, I boil down to the, the client uh, through your interaction with them has to come to like you, right? You, you, you got to be likable. That's the first and for, for, you know, foremost thing. Um, when's the last time you ever did business with anybody you didn't like? And the answer is <laughs> you never did. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I, I, I tried to boil it down to the basics because as a coach and as a leader, you got you to boil it down to the basics. So um, so you got to be likable. And then the second thing that boiled down to is you got to be trustworthy. They have to trust you again. When's, when's the last time you bought anything from somebody you didn't like or you didn't trust? You, you, you didn't. So so you have to you have to create an interchange, an exchange between you and your client that leads to mutual admiration and mutual respect and trust for one another. Right. Uh, and I think that trust and that like has to go both ways for a relationship, any relationship, especially one where you might ask the client for $50 million and, or, 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 or any big number. Right. Right. Um, and then, and then trust, they're going to trust you that you actually deliver value on that, on that $50 million exchange. Right. So that's the third part is you have to develop value. You have to demonstrate value to them, create value, 
they have to see value in what you do and who you are and what you're going to provide, what your organization is going to provide. So like trust and value is what I boil it down to. And that to me is the basic of psychology of selling uh, is that. Um, and then we know that if you can do that and demonstrate that, then you're likely to repeat business and have substantial business with that client. So that's what how I you know, yeah. boil it down to the basics. Right. I mean, because you're... You- you're trying to establish rapport. You're trying to build that trust. You, you have to be able to demonstrate that there is a, a true value exchange. If they're, if you're asking for $50 million, they've got to think somewhere in their mind, they're doing some type of calculation that what they're receiving is, is of greater value than $50 million in that case. Right. It's like, you have to, you have to kind of lay, lay that out there. And if they understand that, then it's, there's really nothing to think about or, or really debate. It's like, Oh yeah. It's like, who would argue if, you know, let's say like I offered you, Chris, I offer, you know, I say, Hey, Chris, give me a dollar and I'll give you 20 bucks back. Like who wouldn't take that trade? Right. That's, that's a, that's a pretty sweet deal. So. You just sold life insurance and said, you left out, you're going to get back tax free. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of that it really is. Wow. It boils down to that. And of course, there's, there's a lot more that goes into that, sure. right. The processes and the, and the art of it and the, the art of questioning, right? So you know, there's a whole nother psychology around questioning and the types of questions and the order of questions and what questions are more effective than others. So again, uh, you can tell I've, I've been a student of, of selling now since probably 2005 okay. and, and been practicing it since then. And I'm not done. That's the other thing is we're never done. We're, just like anything else, it, it evolves and there's new learnings and there's new research. And so I'm constantly learning and reading and get and trying to get better. So, so before we jump to Helios, where what would you recommend for folks in terms of just starting out in their in their sales knowledge base of trying to become a, a just just an, just an awesome sales professional? Where where would you recommend people start? I, I, that's a great question. And, uh, and I've been asked that question before many times and, and, and I will uh, give the same answer. Uh, two things. Uh, th- there's no replacement for self-study. Um, honestly, uh, and we'll get to this, but uh, I, I, I taught myself the renewable energy business through self-study. Um, but the second component is a professional training course. So many people out there uh, in the sales roles today are not getting professional training like they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, certainly 30, 40 years ago. I mean, my mentors were were men and women who in the sales world who um, attended multiple training courses and continue to train and continue to role play and continue to practice and refine their craft. And, And I see that discipline and that formal education as a void in today's sales world. And, wow. and, it, and I think it's extremely undervalued. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that, that's great to know. I, I think, I think some of my concern, I think I probably heard this from others and I, I think you could probably relate to this prior to the, the switch being flipped in your brain with like it not being a slimy profession, but there's, there is like a million different courses out there, right? There's like, there's tons of different resources. So I mean, I guess I was about to ask you the question, but I think I've already answered it myself, but happy. I mean, if you have any other comment on this, but like do, do your research, like find out who is reputable, who's not like what's, you know, testimonials, like what's, like sure. what's working, what's not working. I mean, but yeah. beyond that, did you, did you have any other feedback to that? Yeah, no, I, I, I think you can discern what's reputable and sure. honestly, the top, the top 10 courses out there today are, are solid courses. But the, the last component, and, and I, I'm, I left this off earlier, and I'll reiterate now or, or share it now, is get a coach. Um, so many times, and I myself, I, I bring in coaches to coach me. I want someone holding up the mirror for me because when you're in the moment, you can't see your your, your hiccups. You can't see your, your nervous twitches. You can't see what you're doing. You, you, you don't even hear your own questions and how bad they might be. And, and I'm guilty of it too. Uh, I've asked some horrible questions and gone, uh, and, and I can self critique only to a degree. Um, there's no replacement for a trained sales coach. I in the room watching you and giving you feedback afterwards, role playing different ways. You could have asked the question the, the, the value of sales coaching again is underappreciated. And 
I'll just show you a quick story. Um, that that head of distribution I referenced earlier is a man named Jeffrey McGregor, um, just absolute amazing leader. Um, he came came to me say, "Hey, Chris, I, I want you to sell, stand up this sales uh, training program for all of our reps." I said, "I will do that, Jeffrey, under one condition." that we stand up a sales coaching program for all of your DVPs and that you require and you coach them to be in the field with their reps, coaching in sales calls with your reps, because I can train them all day long. If the coaches don't ensure that the training is transferred on the job, then the training money, you might as well burn it in a 50 gallon drum out back because they'll lose 80% of what I teach them in the first month. And then they'll lose the rest of it, period. And you got to have coaching. That's how, that's how much I know and believe in it. But also if you do the research, every major study on this backs up my statement that I just made. It, it, it's absolutely, the data is absolutely conclusive that sales training without good sales coaching is not effective. So oh, that's the last well, point. Yeah. yeah, no. And, and I, and I, want to reiterate this to the audience as well as realize Chris is not here to sell you a sales training course, right? So there's, there, there is no gotcha or anything on the backside of this that we're that, that hit him or I are setting you up for like the, this is purely transparent conversation. So file, file that away because you, you've seen how much Chris is focused on this and how, how important yeah. it is. And uh, it, no doubt something to really take on board. So Chris, why did you choose renewable energy? I mean, there's there's a million different business business opportunities out there. Tell me about the business model itself, or or you know, share with me to the extent that you're comfortable with yeah. how Helios was founded, and like, what about the business model and the education and everything else really really spoke to you? Yeah, no, it's uh, again a question that I, that I get a, a lot. Um, so, you know, being a student of business and, and having been in the financial services world and, and, and meeting with portfolio managers and talking about the underlying investments in our insurance products or our annuity projects, products, I was, I was always intrigued by what industries are working and what makes them work, uh, what makes one company better than another company, what makes one industry hotter than another. And, um, and then, then I was, I was just intrigued with, the potential for renewable energy. And I'm talking now, my research started 15 years ago uh, when LED light bulbs weren't even a thing in America. Uh, wow. When solar energy had, wasn't even going in the ground and no, the only people that had a solar in America were these doomsday planners out in the middle of nowhere or, or quite frankly, people living off the grid, they had to have it, right? Sure. So, yep. so, um, so, you know, I watched the spread of renewable energy across Europe. And I and I watched LED lighting just become the norm over there. And I traveled a lot over there as well. And so I was in tune with what was going on and I was following it. And I and I saw it. Look, this is not going to go away and it's going to come to America and it's going to sweep across America. And someday everyone will have an LED light bulb in their home. And that alone is enough to get excited about. I mean, there's trillions of light bulbs in America and I'll give you a frame of reference today, we're only about 20% LED market penetration in commercial and industrial. We're somewhere around 40% in residential. So this, this, even though we're now about you know, eight, 10 years in, there's still huge market opportunity. So you know, I just, you don't have to be a rocket scientist and I'm not to figure out the math of that and the, and the economics of that and the opportunity of that. So I saw it coming before it came, that's one thing. And then um, and, and then I saw what was going on in the solar energy and I was talking to portfolio managers and saying, hey, what do you think of renewable energy? And they kept on saying for several years, doesn't make sense in America yet. Yeah, we're seeing it go across Europe, but it's heavily subsidized. It's, it, it doesn't pencil out financially. Um, we don't see it right now. But then about now, nine years ago, that tune started to change. And then I knew that the timing would be good. So okay. I had been studying, back to studying. I had been reading anything and everything I could get my hands on around anything to do with renewable energy and energy efficiency. And I had watched the major manufacturers of LED light bulbs globally start to sell in America and invest in America. The cost, the costs were this high, and it still didn't make a lot of financial sense. But there were some early adopters, right? There were some people that were going to have it because it was the new shiny 
thing. Sure. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, had to slip one in there. Um, and, and and the light bulb came on to slip another one in. And I said, okay, uh, it, it, it's it's time it's time to make a jump, right? Uh, if you're going to do this, now's the time. Um, and so I started to put together the business plan, and and then I got serious about it. Uh, and and uh, the timing was good. I had a good good run. Uh, we had done well, and um, I, I probably had reached you know somewhat of a of a glass ceiling because of my age and how where I was in the organization relative to the top. And I realized it was going to be a, probably a long while before I was going to advance in that in that organization. And it, I was ready. I, I prepared and I was ready for that challenge and the risk of entrepreneurship. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's so it, the takeaway for me as I'm hearing you share this is just the importance of of studying. I mean, uh, this is a common theme that I've that I've noticed with you. So, like, even going all the way back, you're uh your comment, which is hilariously accurate, which is, you know, your GPA is a direct correlation to your hours spent studying. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. Right. But, yeah. they, but then you go forward and like, okay, you're, you're, you're definitely a perennial student. I think anybody who's successful in business is a, is a perennial student. Like you're, you, you are learning more about sales. Now you're learning more about this industry. It's not just, it's not just light leisurely reading, but then you're also engaging with people to understand the trends, what are, you know, what are the people who would know a little bit more than the average person? What are they seeing? And so you're kind of doing that analysis and thinking about all that. And then you just kind of identified the timing of it all. So you put together your business plan again, as a first time entrepreneur going through that, what, what were some things that I guess, you know, looking back on it now, is there anything you would have done differently in terms of getting started? Uh, the answer is, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I, I've, I've looked back and done some reflection on this. I, 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 I don't think I would have done anything different getting started. I, I surely, certainly would have done a lot of things different over the last seven years. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's not a tired um, adage. You know, if you're not making, if you're not making mistakes, you're not leading in hard enough, and, and that's so true. And and if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning because all of our most valuable learning have not been through the successes. It's been through the mistakes we've made. Um, luckily, we've been able to avoid most of the big major mistakes. Sure. Um, but, but we've we've learned a lot. Um, so the, the I guess the only thing that I might consider doing differently is is maybe going to the capital world and, and, and bringing capital into the company external capital in maybe earlier. Uh, okay. I decided to self-capitalize the company. A lot of, a lot of people I read had done that and, and I thought it was wise at the time. And, uh, but, but we have, we have avoided and resisted bringing external capital to grow. We've just been trying to grow organically and that's a challenge. It's a slug. Uh, sure. you have to be ready for it, but that, yeah. That, that might be the only thing I can think of, really. Sure. Well, share share with everybody a little bit, just a little bit of the detail of, of the business, so we can all kind of understand conceptually what you know, like what it is you're selling. What's the what's yeah. the product? What's the service that you're that you're in? Yeah. So we, we we looked at the marketplace. So one of the first things I did is is look at the marketplace and look at the 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 competition. What are they offering? And what's their what's their go to market strategy? And what I saw was was a, a bunch of light bulbs salesmen or, or salespeople, and I saw a bunch of solar salespeople and other technology salespeople. And there weren't there wasn't anyone that was really approaching this from the client's perspective. So what okay. I did is I, what I've done what I'd done before, uh, you know, in other roles in sales roles, I turned the table around and I got in the client seat. And I looked at it from the client's perspective. We, we, I say I, I did, but, but myself, my partner, others on the team, we turned around and we looked at it from the client's perspective. And we said, when the client gets the power bill, right, what do they do? They, they look at this thing. First of all, it's in Greek. And unless you're an EE and an MBA, you probably can't even make sense of the dang thing because the utility companies make it purposely complicated. And then they change the rates, you know, annually, sometimes twice a year. And, and, and so most clients look at this thing and go, well, 
I don't know what to do with this thing. I'll just pay it. Yeah. And we said, well, the opportunity from that angle, not selling anything, is to go get hired as the energy consultant, the chief energy advisor for that client to first make sense of the power bill and then look for opportunities to cut that thing by 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%. And recently, we've achieved a hundred percent with 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 two with two uh, industrial sites. Imagine having no cost of energy other than the capital expenditure for renewable energy and a set of energy efficiency solutions. So, so we saw that opportunity, and so that's what we do. That's our go-to-market. That's our blue ocean strategy. That's that's our that's our differentiator. Is we don't try to sell anything when we engage with a client other than our expertise, our expertise and the opportunity to help the client make sense of their utility expenses and cut them substantially and drive all that savings right to the bottom line. Wow. So that's our that's our that's a differentiator. That's how, that's how we go to market. That's what we try wow. to do. That's really cool. And I think that's something powerful in putting yourself in the shoes of your customer, right? Again, it goes back to your sales training, but like, but how important that is, right? I mean, even in just some of the business dealings that I'm doing, it's like, I've got to put myself in the shoes of somebody who may not understand the different things that I do or people who don't understand what all what you do. And they're, I mean, you just use any example, right? People don't necessarily understand what it is you do because they don't really care what you do. They, they just want to understand how to get a resolution to their problem. And so you're simply you're changing your mindset and kind of challenging your team as well as like, okay, let's, let's look at this from the, from a client's perspective. What, like what trouble, like what pain point, what issue are they, are they having that they're aware of, or maybe not even aware of that we can, that we can remedy for them. And so like, you've come up with a really brilliant solution. And I mean, no doubt there's probably some type of um, like time trade off. Like, you know, if they're, you know, assuming that they're going to be in that lease or in that, in that property for at least another five to 10 years. And it's like, it pays itself after a few years for sure. Right. Yep. Well, you said something really critical just a second ago. Okay. And, 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 and the, the key is uh, the problem, right. Uh, and you said something that affected the problem that they have, or they might not even know they have. So the, the other key differentiator, uh, I, I've always said this is, Okay, it's great to be a problem solver, but you know what's better than being better than being a problem solver, being a problem identifier, and solver. So what we really do is, in many cases, we identify the problem that the client did not have co- a cognition of, and that problem is, is I'm way overpaying for energy, I'm consuming yeah. way more than I could or should, and they don't even know that they have that problem. And what we're really trying to do through a consultative series of really great interactions and questions and dialogue is good for them to go, holy smokes, I have a problem here. You're telling me that I can do LED lighting and cut my lighting consumption by 70% on average, and I can improve my lighting that I didn't even know is substandard, and I can improve morale, and I can improve productivity, and I can improve uh, safety in my facility and security in my house, in my exterior facilities, you, you're telling me I can do all that? I didn't even know I had that problem. Oh, and by the way, you can solve it for me. So that, to me, the highest form of selling is to be a problem identifier and a problem solver and do it in a consultative way that the client actually feels like they're in control. You're not trying to sell them something. You're a true partner in them with them. Yeah. That is, to me, the highest form of selling. Um, so That's you, powerful you, you, because, yeah. Yeah, you said that intuitively. In your yeah, remarks. yeah. Well, because I'm just, I'm just thinking. It's like because now, not not that you should ever be like selling, right? But you're you're totally changing the tune of of things. Like it's different when I like you know I have like a transmission problem with my vehicle, right? Like there's really nothing to sell. I know I've got a problem, um, and so I I know ballpark what that's going to cost me or what some of my decisions, what some of my options are going to be. But like in, in a, and that may not be a really good example, but like, but, but in this case, right, you're, you're, you're taking a situation where like there's, you're not, you're not like strong arming them. You're not, you're not persuading anybody. You're simply like helping them see a problem. And I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more like that, that is, it's so powerful because it's like, 
they discover it for themselves, so to speak, because you just kind of shone a light on it. And they're like, holy crap, like, I've got these issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're getting in there. We shine a light on it. Another one. Um, but yeah, we, <laughs> no, no, that's exactly right. And, and, yeah. and our best relationships are always the ones where we have the opportunity to do that. Now, make no mistake about it. Some clients contact us to say, hey, Chris, I need new lighting. Uh, come in and give me a quote for the lighting. And then we go in and we ask questions and we still try to value engineer the right solution for the facility that's going to optimize things. We still try to add value. So some sure. of our client interactions, they know what they want. We offer what they want. We give them okay. what they want. But okay. still then we, we try to stretch them. We try to stretch their thinking. We talk to them about other things that they may not be considering in there. Almost all of our relationships evolve into some form of consultative relationships, but we still do some what I call one and done lighting projects or maybe a one and done solar project because maybe they've done lighting already and done other energy efficiency things. But the vast majority of our clients are this, this what, I, what we call total energy. So we trademarked our go-to-market process is called total E or total energy. And it's this notion of to optimize any organization's investment in energy consumption reduction and energy efficiency. You should start with energy efficiency. You should lower the power bill with deploying lighting, uh, smart thermostats, building automation systems, efficient HVAC systems, smart transformers. There's all these technologies now that are proven to reduce the power bill and pay off, like you mentioned earlier, with a three to five year ROI on the investment, right? Sure. And so if I can reduce the power bill from the client from, you know, from here down, cut it by 50% or 60%. Now, if they can add and want to add solar energy, now I'm designing a much smaller solar system because I'm designing it for 50 or 60, 70% less energy consumption. Right. Yeah. So, so now I'm optimizing the client's spend across what we call the total energy spectrum, consumption like reduction, that. energy management, consumption reduction, and then renewable energy. If I was just selling solar energy and I walked into the client and the only thing I had in my bag of tricks was solar, I wouldn't want to sell for a lower consumption level. I'd want to sell for the highest consumption level. Right. And is that the best thing for the client? Absolutely hand down. No, it, it, it is it is an inefficient financial solution and an inefficient energy, uh, just efficiency solution to yeah. the to the novel problem. So our model, again, is smart consumption reduction, then right sized clean energy production, and that equals total energy solution and total value for the customer. And we believe that, along with our consultative engagement model, is again a differentiator in the marketplace. But it, but here's the last point on this. It doesn't matter what I believe. I learned that early on in, in, in life and in sales. What matters is what the client believes. And what matters is what the client values because value is in, I always say this, value is in the eyes of the beholder. It's in the client's eyes, it's not in my eyes. So, so I say this, but more importantly, you know what? Our customers tell us this. The customers, once they get the total energy thing and they get that they're gonna maximize their investment, they go, man, that's freaking brilliant. That's awesome. We're so glad that we met you guys. We're so glad that we're working with you guys. And, and if I can figure this stuff out, People way smarter than me should be able to figure it out. But we did. And that's, that is our go-to-market strategy. That's really cool. Man, that is really, really cool. Makes, I mean, it makes total sense as you're explaining it to me. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a long-term student of this, of this space. And so just hearing you lay all that out, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> like I can imagine just like a, a solar sales rep just salivating when he sees like, you know, a massive, uh, like oh, a warehouse yeah. complex using like old outdated lighting and you know really inefficient uh, HVAC systems. And he's like, we got to build a freaking solar farm out of here, man, to make this even uh, to, to even get this going. And you're, you're taking a whole different approach. It's like, we, we can address the total, the total problem mm -hmm. here and do it in a much more efficient manner. And I think, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Like seriously, really, really brilliant. So it's it's, it's uh, not only that. And last point, Aaron, it's it's yeah. absolutely essential. In many cases, essential. And here's why. So if you're a, if you're a Lowe's or if you're a manufacturing plant, you have only a limited amount of roof real, real estate 
and you don't have a whole lot of dirt around you. So, so in many cases, your consumption at, at the as is state is too high. You could never get enough solar on your property to offset the energy. That's so, true. so the only solution to, to get where you want to go, which is maybe net zero or maybe a 70% reduction, the only solution is total energy. You have to reduce consumption because you don't have enough room for solar production. So it, it, it's not only a, a, a great bench, uh, financial benefit, but it's, it can be, be just essential. It just has to yeah. go that way. And right. it just happens to me that that's what we do. That's really cool. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we're kind of winding down our, our time together, like what, you know, like I, I, I was wanting to spend more time cause I, I would love to understand the business model. Cause you mentioned, you know, consultative. Uh, so I, I, I that to me says there's some type of retained model there, but then there's also project, like there's probably a, there's probably a project uh, revenue component and a retained you know, consultative agreement of some flavor, yeah. but then you're, you know, then you're employing either you've got all the manpower and equipment yourself or you're outsourcing that and like subcontracting these different projects out. Like if you're well, if you're, if you like to share about that, great. If not, that's okay. I can, I can move on. No, I, I can share, share about that real quickly. So um, there, there is, there is a consultative component and, and, if it's a simple project, we can come in, do the energy audit, produce a, a proposal. There's typically there's no fee for that. If it's a large complex, like we did at a university, thirty thousand lights, right? Uh, we had we had to charge upfront for that audit, for the analysis, for the proposals, for that work, that consultative work. Yeah. But we we reimbursed it in the project, so we just said, hey, it, you pay us the hundred thousand dollar consultative fee. If you choose to go forward with us, we will just return that money to you. We'll write you a check back for it and it will be absorbed inside the project. So that's how we operate. I think that's extremely fair to us and to our clients. So that's, that's one aspect of it. Um, and then, uh, as far as the, in the com comprehensive model, yeah, we, we try to, we try to manage, um, the entire value chain as much as we can. Uh, so we, we, we consult, we, analyze we design we develop we even arrange financing uh, we we knew going in the marketplace that financing whether it be lease loan service contract whatever the client situation whatever they financial financially is best for them from a tax perspective we we help them with that we have tax professionals not on our team but we have associate relationships sure. uh, and, and and so we do that yeah we, we finance it we we source the materials uh, we will we will either self-perform and install depending upon the size and scope and location, or at a moment, at a minimum, we always have a Helios hard hat. I just say we have a Helios hard hat project manager on site to manage our subcontractors that we bring in to perform that work uh, because the project dictates that. Um, yeah. And then, and then we're around and we'll do the service and maintenance on the back end if the client desires as well. We'll do the measurement and verification that the systems are working. So whatever the client and the project desires, we can be a complete full circle service for the client. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, that's really, really cool. Well, thank and, you. And thanks for, I thanks for sharing share, that. I share, want to share two more components of that real quick so you Please. understand. We, we're doing a project right now in, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And okay. so one of the other things we do is it, we, we see business as a mission. So while we're down there, we are using 95% local labor, which means we're pumping money into the local economy. Um, we are also looking to do volunteer work down there uh, with, with nonprofits. Uh, for example, we had the opportunity to donate some solar panels. Um, to local uh, charitable organizations down there. Not only did we don donate the panels, but we donated time to help them install them. So we're looking to do more than just earn a living. We're, we're looking sure. to have impact in our world. So that's another, just another component of what the Helios value proper story is. So that's really, really cool. That as an obligation. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's really amazing. I mean, so you've, you've consolidated the entire, you know, the, the entire value chain from top to bottom. And then beyond that, you're also you know, giving back and contributing to the you know local economy or, 
or you know any any other like well that's not charitable work you're just that's that's just goodwill but then but charitable work in terms of you know donations of of uh solar panels or things of that nature so you know as we wrap up chris i mean this time has flown by and i would i would love to spend another two hours with you but you know but looking back on it like what like somebody who's maybe listening to this who's you know either in corporate america now and considering their journey or somebody who's maybe early on in their entrepreneurial journey again i'm not i'm going to ask you to, to like any, any parting shots or advice for for people that are considering embarking on the journey i know there's like a an infinite amount of of things that that we could cover but you know are, are there any things that just you have found to be critically important to you and that you would kind of attribute to your kind of success and, and maybe sales, of course, I would, I would say is probably a layup there, but maybe something outside of sales. Yeah. Um, the, you, like you said, there, there are just dozens of things yeah, that come there to are. mind, right? I mean, <laughs> again, it's, it's no one thing. Uh, it's sure. never one thing. Um, there are some important things, important lessons learned. Uh, one, it's way harder than you think it is. Um, when you do any financial forecasting, add 10%, <laughs> just because that's the Murphy factor. Right. Um, yeah. And, and sometimes you might have to add more than 10% or another 10%. Um, people and relationships matter most. Uh, your, your, your reputation in the marketplace will precede you, good or bad. Um, and, and so do everything you can to make it good and protect it. Um, there's no right way to do a wrong thing that, that that stuck with me. My mentor, Jim McCarty, God bless him. He, and he pounded that into my head. There's no right way to do a wrong thing. And, and it took me a while to learn that honestly, uh, especially in the corporate world where I saw some, some things that were not right. Um, so, uh, there's no right way to do a wrong thing. And, and your business is, is key to live by. Uh, so this is just a couple those are a few big ones that come to mind. And, sure. and lastly, if you really, if you really have a passion for it, go do it. Um, but be ready to work harder and be ready to, to be smart with these things I share with, with you guys. Um, it, it is worth it, but it is a lot of work. It, it really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, what's the best way for people to, to follow you, learn more about you, what, what it is that you're doing the company and so forth. I appreciate that. You know, uh, www.heliosenergyus.com. There are other Helios energies out there in the industry. Um, I'm not going to say anything about them other than there are some other ones. Uh, but ours has a U.S. at the end of it. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, it got a, a really uh, nice LinkedIn, both personal and uh, in our business. And we have a pretty big following for the business on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we do a lot of uh, testimonial videos and client case study videos. Uh, we have a collection of those out there. Uh, just go check those out. And again, I, it's not me telling you about what we do. It's our clients telling you about what we do and how we do it. So I think that that's the awesome. best way to get us. And I'd, I'd welcome the opportunity to chat with anybody, anybody, any, any of your listeners that want to, learn more or ask questions, I'd be happy to, to share that with them. That's Get terrific. Back. Yeah, well, that's, that's terrific. Chris, I, I really, I really, again, I, I just want to thank you for spending some time with me today. I, yeah. I really, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And so just, again, thank you so much. And thank you for, for doing this for other veterans, other entrepreneurs. This is a great forum. So thank you, Aaron. Thanks for listening to America's Entrepreneur. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review or comment on your preferred social media platform. Share it out with friends, family, coworkers, others in your network. And of course, you can write me directly at Aaron at boldmedia.us. That's A-A-R-O-N at boldmedia.us. Until next time.